Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Let the train! You are listening to Wide the Are you ready to truck it? It's time for your Nooner with Dooner Wednesday. We made it. We made it halfway. Meet me halfway today. Actually, a lot of you out there, a lot of you out there in the armpit of Florida, as the news keeps calling it. I don't mean to denigrate you, Florida. It seems like it's a, it's a loving term to, to say that. I don't know. Um, I'm not a Floridian. I know my parents are kind of in the path. They're over in South Carolina. I hope they're doing well. The National Hurricane Center, they said uh, as of 1130 a.m. this morning, significant impacts from Adelia continue with dangerous storm surge along the Gulf Coast of Florida and damaging winds moving inland. But... That's not enough. I reached out to my buddy at Weather Optics, Scott Porcarillo. He is an expert on weather data, weather freight data, and he put together this report for us. So, Scott, tell us what's happening. Everyone, this is Scott Pecorillo with Weather Optics, and here is your 90-second forecast on Hurricane Edalia, which is making landfall in Florida right now near Perry, Florida. We're expecting significant impacts to supply chain logistics and trucking over the next 48 hours. This is a look at our business disruption index, which forecasts how much interference weather will have on day-to-day business operations. You can see the worst of the impacts are expected right where the storm is making landfall near Tallahassee. We're talking about impacts that can last seven plus days, including road closures, power outages, damage to infrastructure. We'll also see some pretty substantial impacts up towards Georgia and the Carolinas uh, into tonight and tomorrow. Our road danger index, which forecasts how dangerous conditions are for drivers and the potential for delays. We're looking at I-10 and I-75 with significant impacts right now. Through the rest of today, accidents, road closures, that'll scoot up to I-16 overnight tonight and into tomorrow. And then parts of the Carolinas are also expected to see significant impacts like road closures, accidents, flooded roadways tomorrow. Our power outage index, which forecasts the percent of customers that are expected to lose power. You can see 90 to 100% of customers may lose power where the storm is making landfall near Tallahassee and the parts of Georgia. Also substantial power outages into Northern Georgia and parts of the Carolinas. We're talking about 40 to 60% of customers losing power over the next 48 hours. Our flood index, which forecasts the level of flooding, you can see the worst of that flooding again is near the epicenter of the storm. We're talking about six to 10 inches of rainfall, significant flooding that could take days to recede, really substantial storm surge uh, across the big bend of Florida. And underrated, we're expecting really significant flooding across parts of South Carolina and into North Carolina as well. Again, flooded roadways, closures, uh, damage to infrastructure. And finally, our life and property index, which is the risk to livelihood and the damage to actual property. Again, the worst of that impact is going to be around Florida, especially near Tallahassee, but really significant impact still expected for the Carolinas and parts of Georgia. This is your 90-second forecast. To learn more, please go to weatheroptics.co. Thank you, Scott. Speaking of disruptions, we got one on the board over here. If you guys can get my logo on there. I mean, that is a nice looking uh, backdrop behind me, but not the right one. Anyways, I've gotten texts from a few drivers already. They said, uh, not today, yesterday and the day before, they were saying they stopped at a few stations out in the Florida area, and they were having trouble getting gas. That's probably because they're diverting some of the tankers to the uh, staging areas, the FEMA loads, and that kind of thing. Um, Our own CEO and founder, Craig Fuller, he tweeted this out. Truckers looking for a rate catalyst may get it from Hurricane Adalia. Hurricanes always create spot market opportunities, rate surges, and market chaos. Well, the human economic toll is devastating. The bigger the hurricane, the bigger the rates. Now, obviously, we hope everybody is safe, but... For those of you who are looking for some type of rate catalyst, this may be it. There's going to be disruptions for a while, as Scott said. They're predicting a lot of flooding in this one and a lot of power outages. Again, button down, be safe. Coming up today on the show, we're going to find out why did Teamsters allow 22,000 union jobs to vanish? Freightway's Rachel Premack is coming on. She's going to talk about if labor and unions are winning. What the heck happened to yellow? 
AIT Worldwide's Greg Weagles here. He's going to talk about peak season. He's going to alert us to supply chain disruptions on the horizon. And he shares the impact nearshoring has had on trucking. Trucker Tricky Mick, he hauls cars and drops bars. We'll take a look at the life of a call, haul, car hauling music producer. And Justin Martin, he's going to talk about a 100-truck carrier that was allowed to operate for USPS without insurance. This company ended up killing uh, five people. They, one of their drivers got into an accident. They found out that 100 trucks by UPS did not have insurance. It took them like months to get this carrier off there. Justin used to work for USPS. I'll find out how such a... Uh, an oversight can happen. Mitchell Gold and Bob Williams had a big shutdown. They're a furniture company in North Carolina. Driver shortage narrative violations. Living in a mansion on 18 wheels. What happened to the on-deck thing? There it is. <laughs> Living on a mansion on 18 wheels and delivery instructions gone wrong. They put that up there so they can hide me reading my own notes. Not that, like I don't know who's up here, but don't expose me, boys. All right, let's tip the band. You may think of AIT Worldwide Logistics as an average U.S. forwarder, but in the past decade, they've evolved to become a global logistics powerhouse. Today, AIT is customizing supply chain solutions for multinational Fortune 500 companies shipping between Asia, Europe, and the Middle East and North America. Despite the company's exponential growth, they're still the experts when it comes to creating tailored plans that fulfill your supply chain requirements. Find out how your business can benefit from the logistics pros at AITWorldwide.com. But right now, we're going to find out how we can benefit from Rachel Premack she's the editorial director here at Freightwaves. What's up, Rachel? Hey, how are you doing? I'm doing good. I'm do I just found out I'm going to Jackson Hole next week. I know you went there last year. Any, any recommends? What do I got to see? You should definitely go to uh, Yellowstone National Park. That's probably like an hour drive from Wait, is it that or which one's better? Hole, but... the, what's better, Rachel, that or Grand Teton? I think you should go to both. But Yellowstone, so Grand Teton is good if you want to get into like some like longer day hikes um and you know stretch your legs or whatever but yellowstone is a good place to go if you just want to see really cool unique kind of natural formations so it, it's i would say both but honestly you i don't think you can lose either way uh, yeah I, as long as i'm seeing some nature it'll be cool now no it's not cool though Twenty-two thousand union jobs were lost right two thousand twenty-two thousand union jobs vanished and in the news cycle not our news cycle but the mainstream news cycle this kind of got brushed aside and suddenly it was ups big wins collective bargaining is a huge win this always works out conveniently ignoring what happened two weeks prior which was yellow going bankrupt tell us a little bit about this rachel yeah so viewers of what the trucker probably well familiar with the with the broader storyline but what we really saw is you know following this bankruptcy yellow blamed teamsters for not negotiating not kind of standing up and and working with them with some of their change of operations teamsters and you know most people kind of who watched this situation said well you know the the real issue was mismanagement on yellow's part so we've got different parties pointing fingers at the other it, it, it seems like a more holistic view of this would say Yellow had longstanding financial issues um, over the past, let's say, 15 years. Teamsters had stepped in multiple times, given multiple concessions on wages to try to keep the company going. And the company just couldn't keep going is, is, the, is the problem. This is the first time that Teamsters did not offer to you know, help Yellow in any way, did not offer to bend its work rules to benefit what Yellow needed. And as a result, Yellow did go bankrupt. But the, you know, so you can you can really point the fingers either way. Should Teamsters have negotiated with Yellow? Should they have allowed these work rule changes? Or should they have drawn the line in the sand and say, we're not putting up with this anymore. This is not the, the way to treat a Teamsters member. It's it's still kind of a, a conversation and a question that I don't think we've really come to an answer to. President Biden tweeted, and this is kind of talking, this is from last week. He said, our economy works best when employers and employees come to the bargaining table as equals to make a business run better and improve employees' lives. Collective bargaining works. And he's responding to the Associated Press report that the union representing uh, 340,000 UPS workers says its members voted to approve a new contract. But that's sort of what I'm talking about. Like, we're just rushing right past what happened with Yellow here. Does collective bargaining work? Because yeah. it clearly doesn't always work. Well, you, if from Yellow's standpoint, they would see that and say, well, Teamsters didn't negotiate or bargain with us at all. So maybe collective bargaining would have worked if they decided to bargain with us. Teamsters would say, 
Well, you should have just stuck to the 2019 working agreement and waited till 2023 to begin bargaining and, and negotiating on a new work contract. So it's, 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 it's almost like they never actually got to the table this year to collective bargain and to kind of make, you know, the next step on these things. They didn't offer, Teamsters didn't offer or uh, make clear to its members that they, there was this, you know, potential $11 an hour wage increase that Yellow was offering. On the other hand, when I've talked to Yellow employees, a lot of them have said, a lot of them have actually pinned the blame on Yellow management for the company's failure rather than, you know, the, the more recent debacle with Teamsters. I think, but kind of going back to what you were talking about, it is really interesting that we do see more broadly a lot of celebration that, you know, unions are back, that, you know, UPS had this amazing um, bargain, that UAW leadership is very strong and looking to secure a really good good uh, working agreement with its employees. You know, we've got the Hollywood writers and actors on strike. We've got uh, Americans telling Gallup that they have their strongest uh, opinion of unions in decades. But when you look at, you know, examples like Yellow or even the rail, rail, railroad workers last year, it's, it's, it doesn't seem like this union comeback is really benefiting a lot of folks in the logistics sphere right now. Well, yeah, I got to ask you something, though. So they Yellow said it's, it has this restructuring program. It would save the company. Everyone else is saying that or outsiders are saying that that won't happen. Any movement there is, I mean, is it, this company is dead, right? So right now we're kind of seeing a bidding war for Yellow's trucks and terminals. Uh, Old Dominion and Eskies have both submitted bids well over $1 billion. So it's, it's interesting because, you know, we, we do see two strong Teamsters, LTL companies, um, uh, T-Force Freight, as well as ABF. One might think, okay, with the departure of Yellow, a lot of these companies that would only work with other union truck drivers, we would see T-Force and ABF really step up and be able to grow and flourish more, or even, you know, potentially another trucking company be able to get organized under Teamsters. I, I do find it interesting that neither company has, you know, put forward those billion dollar plus bids on the remaining Teamsters um, assets. That indicates to me that where LTL is growing fastest is actually on that non-union side. Mm. Who's buying the terminals? Is it uh, is it S? Are they going to up their one point three? Because we also got ODFL with the one point five billion dollar uh, iron in the fire. It's still. Right now, ODFL does have that highest bid, but we're, I guess, we're, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, well, it's been, you know, it's been the summer of union activity. You mentioned SAG. Obviously, there's Yellow. There was UPS. But now it's moving into the fall. you got the New York bus drivers. They're saying they're going to have to send kids to school in lifts and Ubers if that happens. you got uh, September 15th, two weeks from now, United Auto Workers Union, I believe, is uh, planning on going on strike if that doesn't get resolved. There's been so many issues with cars and everything. Cars are finally getting onto lots and are at MSRP and with the slowdown. But uh, we could be right back in trouble with that as well. So something to keep monitoring. A lot of disruptions going on, Rachel. People want to keep up to date on it. They want to keep your your tireless efforts keeping on the trail of yellow. How do they keep in touch with you? Yes, you can subscribe to my newsletter at FreightWaves.com slash modes or just just Google my name as we've discussed before. Rachel Premack, uh, FreightWaves. I'm the only person with my name, so I'm easy to find. Um, but I think I am going to be taking a step back from yellow reporting for a few weeks because I have neglected the other things I have to report on over the last two or three months of reporting on the yellow saga. Well, I think we all look forward to a, a new topic, Rachel, so I'm excited to hear what it'll be. But it's knowing you, it'll probably be something not too good. <laughs> not as bad as Thirsty Hey, hey, it might be. You never know. <laughs> positive. All right, Black Widow, take it easy. Thank you for joining me on the show today. Thank you. Take care, Rachel. All right, meanwhile, check this out. So this is a bear. Lady came across this bear on the side of the road. It's got uh, trash on its head. That's why drivers don't go throw your bottles at the window. Right? Look at this. It's on a bear cub's head. This lady's braver than all you. You're afraid of a trash can. She's not afraid of a bear. She's not afraid of mama bear. She walks right up to this cub. And look at that. You're okay. 
Like, he's a little nervous at first, too. He's, he's appreciative. You're okay. Look at his eyes. You all right, baby? He's like, thank you. You okay? You're welcome. You okay? You okay? Yeah, that was tough, wasn't it? Get going. Yeah, don't cross the street, Bear. I um, I probably shouldn't approach any of those if I see them in Yellowstone. That might not be a good idea. All right, Greg Weigel, he's Chief Business Officer over at AIT Worldwide Logistics. Hey, I like the backdrop, Greg. Hey, good to see you again, Tim. How are you? I like it. Where are you hanging out today? Down in uh, beautiful Houston, Texas. Oh, good. So you're not in that storm path or anything. You can you can just monitor that from the safety of the of AIT. Yeah, we're, we're definitely watching that closely. By the way, I just got back from uh, Montana and Yellowstone last week. The weather was perfect. You're going to enjoy it. And just one tip, if you head up to, uh, if you're in Jackson Hole, you've got to go through the Tetons to get to Yellowstone. So go up to Jenny Lake and you'll love the scenery up there. Great, great spot. Oh, so no matter what, it's like if you go to Yellowstone, you're still going to come back or through through Tetons. So you, you can knock them both out. Yeah, if you come in through that south side. So I hope you enjoy your vacation. I will, I will. But before I get to it, we got to resolve a few things here. First of all, I've been asking everybody to try and get their perspective. I'm hearing a lot of similar things, but I'm going to still ask you. With peak season, let's talk about it. Are you expecting the end of the third quarter and the beginning of the fourth quarter to, to be had to see rates go up for, for, for that side of the business to be happy? What is your prediction for peak season? Yeah, you know, Tim, I, I think the last time we got together, you know, our, our, our discussion around what we were expecting for 2023 is, is pretty much come out as, as we discussed back then. And, you know, we're really not expecting to, to see much of a peak season. Um, you know, the, the import activity coming into the U.S., which drives a lot of the domestic freight activity, um, is down significantly. I think last week, if you look at the ocean conversions going into intermodal transportation, uh, volume was down about 15.7%. You know, which is a pretty significant year-over-year uh, -year decline. And you know, from everything we're seeing from you know, both our customers and, and on the manufacturing side, predominantly in Asia, um, you know, our expectation is for a, a very muted peak. Now, things can you know sometimes change with that. You know, I expect you know maybe some bubbles with some new product launches, maybe coming out from some of our bigger uh, technology uh, companies uh, coming online. Uh, that may you know push a couple of little bursts of, of activity. But, you know, I, I think, you know, Q4 is going to be pretty quiet. You know, traditionally in the freight forwarding world, about 40 percent of your activity takes place uh, between October and December. And, you know, this year will be nowhere near that. So is nearshoring playing any role? There's so much talk about nearshoring, especially when just in time wasn't working and everyone was talking about just in case. And it's like we got to nearshore everything. Is that having an impact on demand from China at all? Yeah, I think you've got two things, right? You know, I mean, everybody's still smarting from, you know, the impact of COVID and, and, and the longer supply chains. You know, people are looking to shorten those up and, you know, are, are, are looking at, you know, uh, different geographies to, to be able to do that. You know, we're, we're very bullish on Mexico. We're seeing a big uptick in, in freight coming out of Mexico. We're investing significantly on our transborder operations. We've got a new operation in El Paso uh, coming online in, in November, uh, 90,000 square foot facility in El Paso with an FTZ. We're investing in Laredo, a lot more new um, activity in, in Mexico. So we're very bullish on that. We think there will be more activity coming online in Central America as well uh, as people try to uh, shorten up their supply chain, um, uh, uh, you know, to deal with some of that that uh, that long range risk. Um, the other thing is, you know, there's a significant amount of de-risking that's taking place on China. And with a lot of the different geopolitical things that are going on, you know, we're seeing a lot of manufacturing that's moving out of uh, China that, you know, has historically been there the last 25 years, you know, Vietnam and Southeast Asia are big beneficiaries of people trying to de-risk uh, the geopolitical situation with China. So uh, we've got new offices that are opening up, you know, throughout Southeast Asia. I'll be there in October, you know, for the grand openings of our, our new uh, Malaysia and Singapore and, and Indonesian offices. And, you know, we really think that people are going to continue to look uh, at alternative sourcing opportunities from a manufacturing perspective uh, versus China this year. You know, I opened the show talking about Hurricane Adalia, right? Uh, it's going to be hurricane season. There's going to be plenty of disruptions. What other disruptions, are, including hurricanes, are you forecasting for to impact uh, shippers and carriers as we move into the third quarter? 
Well, I think you and Rachel talked about it earlier. I mean, we, we dodged some bullets with, you know, some big, you know, labor uh, situations that we're developing with UPS and, and with the ILWU on the, on the West Coast, you know, as far as the, uh, the, the West Coast longshoremen, <clears throat> which could have been pretty devastating. Um, and, you know, a, a lot of discussion around yellow. As, as an ex, you know, roadway employee, I was there for 12 years. You know, there, there's a lot of incredible people and leadership and, and labor that, that I worked with while, you know, I was, I was at that company. You know, my, my heart really goes to, to the people, you know, because if you want to run a world-class transportation organization, it all comes down to people. Everybody's got trucks. Everybody's got um, terminals and, and, you know, access to, to steamship lines and, and airlines, et cetera. It's the people that make it work. And so, you know, I, I know there's a lot of debate going on as to, you know, what the root causes of, 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 of Yellow going bankrupt were. You know, I, I just really think about the 30 or 40,000 people and their families um, that have gone through just, you know, a life changing event, no, no matter what the reason, uh, and that are severely impacted. And I hope they get back to work and can take care of their families, you know, quickly. And I hope the industry can help them to do that. But I think it does talk a little bit about, you know, how much capacity is available in the marketplace still. You know, in, in roughly a week, you've got a five billion dollar company that that went bankrupt, and you know all of their business was absorbed through the available capacity. You know, throughout you know the trucking systems in in, in the U.S. So, I mean, I think that says a lot about supply and demand in the current environment. You know, I, I think you know as, as you've seen, um, you know, as logisticians, you know, our our job is is to solve tough problems for our customers. And, you know, you see what's going on with the Panama Canal right now and some of the things going on with the drought. You know, nobody would have forecasted that. You know, we just always have to stay on our toes, you know, relative um, to sharing information. I think that's what you and the, and, and the team do over on your side so well is informing people and keeping people abreast of the market. And that's really our key focus as well. So, um, you know, I think we've dodged some bullets, but, you know, I, I definitely think the consolidation in the North American marketplace is going to continue uh, particularly as, as people start to make some tough decisions with cost after the glut of COVID is over, you know, we're kind of, you know, the marketplace has changed 180 degrees and, you know, now people are having to, you know, address kind of the inflationary and, and cost pressures. And I expect to, to see more consolidation from that. Should, speaking of the disruption, I also mentioned to Rachel, the, the auto workers, would that have an impact on greater freight? Were this to be a strike, especially a prolonged one, because suddenly you're taking all those those cars off the back of car carriers and off the back of railroads. Well, now you talk about nearshoring. I mean, probably the biggest uh, industry that's that's promoting you know North American trade between Mexico, U.S. and Canada on trucks is is the automotive industry, right? Outside of perishables and produce, things of that nature, you know, the automotive industry is is significant, and so it, it could be very disruptive, in my opinion. Are you hearing any positive things from from the shippers you talked to about the fourth quarter? Very, uh, you know, very uh, conservative. Yeah. I would say that, you know, from a from a demand perspective, and you know, you you see a lot of the the you know the the uh, you know public announcements that came out on on the uh, you know for the second half of the year. You know, most of the larger freight forwarders and transportation companies are, are down. You know, high teens, you know, uh, high double digits in uh, in tonnage. You know, AIT has really weathered the storm well. You know, we're kind of in the, the mid-single digits relative to tonnage declined and, and have done a good job in, in coping with that. And, uh, you know, I, I, I really think that, uh, you know, there's not a lot of optimism, you know, relative to, to what's going on with that. Yeah. Well, Greg, thank you for your, your insights today. Where can people connect with you or the pros over at AIT? Hey, the best way to, to get in touch with us is, is via LinkedIn. And uh, also, you know, we're publishing all of our updated market reports on a monthly uh, basis. So if people need to have news about what's going on with Peak or anything else, you know, please check in with us at LinkedIn. Very, very cool. Thank you for your time. Have a great Wednesday. Yeah, great to see you, Tim. Take care of yourself. Take care. All right, time to the beginning. China, India, Korea, Vietnam, Belgium, the Czech Republic, France, Germany, Italy, the Netherlands, Switzerland, the United Kingdom, Canada, and Mexico. More than 2,700 AIT World Logistics supply chain experts are stationed in these countries and, of course, in offices across the United States. And in 2023, they're adding even more global locations as the organization strives to make it easier than ever for companies to ship between Asia, Europe, the Middle East, and North America. If you're ready to create a shipping program as unique as your business, you can learn more at AITWorldwide.com. Let's get some drivers in shape. Look at what this guy is cooking in his cab. So, guys, it's currently Sunday afternoon, right? And I'm going to show you guys what I eat to stay in shape on the road. Currently, I'm in my semi-truck. Let me show you guys outside. I'm waiting to be unloaded. This is what's going on outside. 
So I have my air fryer right here. Guys, if you don't have an air fryer, please invest in one, right? And I have rice. I will be cooking this in my rice cooker. And I have chicken breasts. Now what I do is I cut up a whole bunch of chicken breasts. I have like four bags like this, right? And when I'm ready to eat one, I thaw it out and the rest I keep in the freezer, depending on how long I know I'm gonna be on the road. So let's start cooking. Now, guys, the food scale is crucial. I mean, that's another tool that you gotta get. I'm gonna hand sanitize my hands real quick. Count your calories, guys. Get my fitness pal and track everything that you eat. It's gonna make life look so much more simpler, right? And then from here, I wanna measure in ounces. I was told this, that the number one secret killer is the fork. You know, as humans, sometimes we just don't know when to stop or we make poor choices. And, you know, we can correct it. If you go on Google and type in how to use a food scale and healthy choices, you will learn like I had to learn. I was a personal trainer for about 10 years and then I decided to go a different path. But I learned a key component in my health and fitness journey. And that was how to use a food scale. I mean, it changed my life and it changed my physique. Listen, we all got loved ones you want to be there and have long life and longevity with, right? Don't cut your time short. Anyway, guys, God bless. Love you guys like always. If you like this type of video, please follow, like, thanks. Yeah, you want more content like that, go to TikTok and follow Will's Da Truth. That's D-A, Da Truth. Smart guy. My fitness pal. Smart thing, too. Every time I want to lose weight, I use that, and I do. But then I stop, and then I gain it right back. Go back to my, my wham, or my wa, my moi, my walking around weight. W-A-W. Anyway, Tricky Mick over uh, at Tricky Mick Minnen. What's up, man? Where are you sitting today? Uh, I'm sitting over here in Vandalia, uh, Illinois. It's actually tricky make mining as in crypto mining, but uh, let's keep moving on to the next point there. Cause I know you don't like talking about that too much. No, I, I here's the thing. I, I mispronounce every name. So thank you for, uh, for calling it out. Some people seem to get in trouble. Hey, we got a quick video of you. Let's take a look at this first video. Hey, what's up guys. Tricky Mick here. I'm loaded with some awesome Chevy Silverado medium duties. Got some new steer tires yesterday because of a flat on one of them, and uh, we replaced both steers at once, not just one. Safety issues. So, some new tires. About to take a shower over here in Springfield, Ohio, and then uh, I'll be heading out to Massachusetts to make some deliveries. So, uh, I'll catch you guys next time. Wow, Tricky Mick heading to the Commonwealth, man. How long you been hauling cars for? Uh, you know what? It's been about six or seven years now. I actually started out on a four-car tow truck hauling repos, auction cars, and lease turn-ins. And as I've gone throughout the years, I've found that personally, uh, the nine ten car thing wasn't for me. But hauling the big heavy-duty trucks is where it's at for me. I don't uh, have as many problems with damages or you know these small little scratches that the dealers just. Man, they are ruthless nailing you on the smallest little issue, and it's very expensive to any company because those those uh those car dealerships are actually making profit when they fix those cars for you. You ever have to repo a car yourself? You ever you ever get any situations doing that? I've picked up one and uh it, it wasn't too terrible. Um they let the battery die on purpose, so I did have to push it down to the street. Uh, they wouldn't let me pull into the driveway, but uh you know, I never had no no issues with that. But a friend of mine at the same company actually had his knee shot out by somebody. So it, it can definitely be dangerous. Wow. And they don't let you like go strapped, do they? You're not you're not allowed to carry it like a gun or something going into there, like a taser? Well, you're not supposed to, but I mean, you know, it's America and uh, we kind of do what we want here in this country sometimes. And, you know, I believe in the Second Amendment personally, and I don't think there's any reason that anyone shouldn't be allowed to carry. You know, this topic comes up a lot because there's been a lot of like Amazon truck hijackings and uh, delivery driver muggings. And it's like, hey, we need to be able to protect ourselves. And, you know, the stance of most companies is you can't. We don't want the liability. But you, the individual who is out there. Has to be like, oh, I don't want the liability of a bullet in my head, you know? Oh, absolutely, and it's sad. You go into some cities; they have DAs that don't want to uh, put people in jail for long. They they don't want to enforce the uh, the laws a lot, and then you know, I just feel bad for the people that have to constantly go in these cities and tolerate you know the lawlessness that exists. And that's why I'm actually over the road. You know, I've, I was a local driver for many years, and you know, it's like being in Mario Kart but with a semi truck when you're driving around these cities. That's just how it is. Wow. So what do you use as your blue shell? 
probably the horn. Uh, no, actually, it's speed. You hit the brake, you slow down, you give them space, and uh, you know, let them know that you're not trying to cut them off. You're not trying to cause them delay. But as a matter of fact, it is. You know, some of us are uh, speed limited, like prime trucks are stuck at 62 if they're company. Uh, my truck is stuck at 68. You know, and sometimes you're trying to pass somebody up, and they can actually go faster. So as soon as you try passing them up. They decide to hammer down. You get stuck behind them again, and it's just this battle to get in front of somebody for no reason. Interesting. Let's see your truck getting loaded. I think we got we got a clip of that. And, and tell us, what are we looking at here? What's going on? Here's another interesting load. All right, so it's pretty easy. The, uh, yeah, exactly. So, you know, you build up ramps, you put the first one on, build a ramp on top of that, put the next one on, you know, chain them down real tight and, you know, you redo the process to get them off. Now, we actually have loaders at the yards where we uh, load for the most part, unless we're doing small things like transit vans or maybe some of the smaller Isuzus. But, you know, I work for a really good company that really has a down pat on, you know, how to be efficient and how to get the driver moving. What's the key to load securement on these? You're carrying very heavy things. One of them falls off, could be catastrophic. Uh, really is to make sure the chains are tight, make sure that you're straight as much as possible, you know, check your load when you stop every 300 miles and, you know, do the best you can. There's, there's nothing you can really do if somebody jumps in front of you and you have to slam on the brakes. I mean, loads are going to shift in an emergency situation, even if you're the best person strapping them down. So why use like a semi truck? Sometimes I see like a guy in like a, like a beater old Chevy, you know, hot shot and some cars behind him. Uh, why is this? What, what's going on with that, and why the semi? Well, I think that some people are. Uh, if you're hot shot, and you might not be under the same exact rules as somebody, you know, with the CDLA. And you know, I I hate to say it, but some people are kind of skirting the rules here and there. And you know, if, if you're in a dually like that, you're not even legal to sleep in it because of the uh, the width of the cab. But you know, we're kind of in an area where DOT doesn't seem to be stopping some people, and they stop other ones for some reason. Ugh. Ugh. Let's take a look at this truck. I think we have, well, you have a yellow truck and a blue truck, do you? Are those both company trucks? Do you own these? No, no, I'm in the yellow truck now. I used to drive that one. Uh, that was a lease truck. I didn't, uh, that's what I was talking about, where it wasn't the best scenario for me. Now, mm. having an 80-foot car hauler with six-foot overhang on the front and another uh, six or seven-feet overhang on the back was not the best situation for me. So during the lease operation that I did, I was... Uh, brought firsthand to how much these damages can cost. So I had a Grand Wagoneer with about six, seven feet overhang in the back through a little uh, town in Indiana. I scraped a uh, brand new Honda Odyssey, and that was about all she wrote for me hauling cars like that. And, you know, mistakes do happen, but at the end of the day, uh, you know, that is just not the position for me to be, you know, hauling with six feet overhang in the back through these little church towns. Yeah, I'm glad it wasn't my Honda Odyssey. We, we, we just got one of those recently. No scratch. Yeah, I noticed. And you know what? I, I love your Honda Odyssey. I own an older one myself. And I tell you what, I am so impressed with the amount of power that modern cars have. It's amazing. Yeah, I think you can tow like about 4,000 pounds with that uh, with that Odyssey. Throw a little boat behind you. Yeah, something like that. What, about 300 horsepower? Yeah. Well, you know, we always complain about truck parking, but like you don't just have trailers. You have really expensive cargo that could get scratched that could be accessible to thieves and those kind of things and not and as big and unwieldy let's take a look at you in a parking lot here and, and tell us a little bit about the challenges that goes on there that's all right you'll see what oh I mean in a second. right so, right i remember this one you're coming in here so There's you're supposed really to go no in one way, way in this parking lot swing that trailer in between the spots over here it's just not possible with that kind of space so what i did is i came over here to the end and i got butted up right against the curb so i pulled all the way forward as much as i could got up against it forward back forward back a few times and as you can see good to go Plenty of swing room for other trucks to get in. Shouldn't be no issues. All right, check next time and let's see uh, how it's going. So you probably have to be really mindful of finding parking with, with the kind of loads you have. Yeah, absolutely. Interesting story about that day. I woke up and there were three trucks to my right and another truck came trying to come in the wrong way. 
So I spent about 30 minutes helping a guy move front, back, front, back. And he actually hopped the curb to get out because he couldn't pull around. He couldn't back up. There was another truck behind him. And, you know, I got out and I helped everyone stop and make sure that the situation didn't get any worse because, you know, you get into scenarios where nobody knows it's full. Nobody understands that, you know, an arrow means one way, apparently. And, you know, I try my best to make sure that I can help out my fellow driver. But at the end of the day, you're kind of responsible for yourself. And I don't know why, but a lot of the truckers don't want to use apps like Trucker Path. I look every single time before I go somewhere to see, you know, is it full this time normally? Did somebody report it full an hour ago? And by using these types of things, I'm able to be much more efficient with my time than otherwise. Wow. Are, are you concerned at all about this potential auto worker strike? I'm not really. Um, I think that we have strikes in the past. We have strikes in the future. And, you know, when one plant strikes, another plant's not. And, you know, so you're going to pick up over here when you drop off over there. And, uh, you know, so the company I work for, we have contracts between Isuzu, General Motors, Ford. So when one plant goes down a little bit, they just send guys up to the other way. So, you know, it, I don't think it's really a huge problem in the future. I mean, unless they all striked at once, I mean, then, you know, we could definitely be looking at an issue. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I hope, I hope nothing bad comes of it. Cause like the inventory, like, they're trying to get this thing right size, this, uh, the supply chain over here, but a lot of disruptions on the horizon. But you know what? You disrupt your day by being a little bit of a producer once in a while. You like to make music while you're on the road. I think we have a picture of your setup, which modern setups, I mean, although 20 years ago in my apartment, I was using that too. I had a, uh, just, I had a computer with a sound card in it and a Kurzweil keyboard and a microphone. I used to produce a little music back in the day. What are you cutting when you're out on the road? Well, you know what? I'm just making some hard rock, heavy metal type of stuff. And, uh, you know, I actually uh, produced a song from uh, my band, Roast from the Ashes, called Fancy Pants, using that exact uh, setup and just a guitar. It's amazing what you can do with a very minimal amount of setup. I mean, that setup right there is probably $200 plus a guitar, maybe $500, you know, with a, um, a digital audio workstation to get you rolling. And it's really, really easy to get started in that kind of stuff. Man, I think we have a clip of one of your tracks. Oh, yep, that is one of them. That's Fancy Pants. This you singing? Nope. Uh, I'm the backup singer during this song, though, and the one screaming. This is my kind. That's me. That's you? Yeah, scream in there. Give me a scream. They fell from the sky! They fell from the sky and they died! <laughs> I love it, man. How long have you been... So is, is this like... Is this a, is this a dreamer? Do you want to get out of like the, the cup and out of the truck and on the stage? Or is this just like, you oh, know what? Man. I got hours of service and I got time to produce. Uh, it's more, more like uh, me and a, a good friend when we started playing music, you know, six or seven years ago, we found that Man, when me and him get together, it's just perfect. And, you know, I play drums, guitar, bass, and I sing. And, you know, when me and him get together, it's just that perfect mix. And we actually produced a uh, album called uh, We Won't Give Up that, you know, you can get on Spotify, iTunes, YouTube, you know, anywhere that music is sold. And it's actually free to listen on YouTube or put into any of your uh, videos or anything like that just so that other people can enjoy and listen. Now, I've been on stage quite a few times. I've even played at... Um, Harpo's concert theater in Detroit. And I really love being on stage, but as I've gotten older, you know, you realize as much as you want to play music and as much as you want to be famous, you have to feed yourself, you know, and I started having kids, you know, so I'm going to get back into making music, but, you know, I definitely had to take a break and, you know, figure out, you know, the lifestyle and how things work like that. Cause you can't just live that rock star life when you don't have the rock star money. That's for sure. No, no. You know, I got a little bit of rock star money. You said you started this saying that I hate crypto, but that's not true. That must have been somebody else. Like, I think it's incredibly risky. I don't make a ton of bets in crypto. But in 2021, there was something called Dogecoin swapping around in like the from in like February. It went on like this tear and I made like twenty five thousand dollars in it. That was towards a down payment in my house. So I owe part of my house to do to Dogecoin, man. So I don't totally hate crypto. Oh, that's pretty cool. Um, you know what? That's actually how I got into cryptocurrency myself. And uh, my brother showed me Dogecoin. I started, 
checking out, you know, uh, what crypto mining is about, what blockchains are, you know, and I started mining Ethereum and, you know, it split into Ethereum and Ethereum Classic. But long story short, there was a month there where I made more money crypto mining than I did actually driving a semi truck. So it really opened my eyes. And, you know, then I started my own NFT collection called ETC Frog B, where we do the same thing for other people. So they don't have to spend, you know, a thousand or two thousand dollars of their own money on it. And, you know, we find hosting services and, you know, we just uh, are trying to build really a uh, like a classic brand like Ninja Turtles or Power Rangers, you know, with crypto mining involved, you know, just a real entertainment crypto mining company. And that's just really what I'm trying to uh, build, you know, with the money here, you know, driving a truck. And I'm about a month away from qualifying for the lease purchase program to get into another truck again. Interesting. So if you were a Power Ranger, what color Ranger would you be? Uh, definitely the Green Ranger. I thought so. I thought so with the frog. I thought you nailed it there. Now, so we're, we're out of time, but people who want to follow your journey, they want to connect with you on, uh, on freight Twitter, or they want to listen to your music, or, you know, they're, they're interested in some NFTs. Where do I send them to? Well, you can find me on Twitter at Tricky McMinin or ETC Frog B, or you can find uh, the band for Rose from the Ashes anywhere that music sold. You know, it's real easy to find me, and I always answer back. Well, very cool. Hey, you have a great day, and thank you so much for introducing yourself to us. You too. It was great seeing you. And you know what? That shirt is amazing. I love it. So it's from a company called Cavity Colors. This is just their merch drop. They just did a uh, Maximum Overdrive merch drop. They have a few different designs and a bunch of different shirts. Go check them out. Good company. Will do. Thank you, sir, and have a great day. Take it easy. All right. Elsewhere. They're loaded onto a multi-level transport tractor. A dig and snag mechanism allows for fast carrot uprooting. Rollers spin a bale of hay for multi-directional wrapping. I kind of want that to do that. Spinach is clipped and sent up a belt for human packaging. Hexagonal compartments of honeycomb are sliced off mechanically. Industrially harvested. Industrial ag is pretty sick. I wonder if Justin knows anything about that. Because it's time to talk to him. It's Super Trucker Justin Martin. Yeah. What's up, Justin? Yeah, I grew up on a farm in my early childhood. I know like just enough about ag to say that's hard work, and I'd rather do this for a living. You should probably wash your vegetables, right? Yes, absolutely. As much as the uh, machinery takes care of all that, you still got like the dust, dirt, and debris on the packaging. Yeah, and when you see like corn, for example, corn is oftentimes in a large open deck trailer just driving down the road. Anything can get in there, any dirt, anything like that. Make yeah. sure you wash. At least you boil corn, though, so that can kill some of the stuff. Yeah, or grill, grilling. Uh, completely underrated. So, Justin, you used to work for USPS, and they were in the news for um, a pretty big indiscretion, right? Trucking company tried to buy insurance about an hour after they got into a crash. And this wasn't just any crash. This crash killed, I believe it was five people, if I'm not mistaken. And what happened afterwards was uh, it was discovered that this was this company had 100 trucks. They had no insurance on these trucks. And it took months for USPS to even cancel this contract. And there's probably a lot more out there like, like this carrier. But how does a company oh. like you, we have government, we have so many government regulations, and you talk about a government entity like the USPS not vetting a carrier. How does that even, how, how do they avoid, how do all these trucks avoid weight scales? How does nobody know they didn't have insurance? Yeah, when you have like the USPS badge or as a contractor, it says US mail across your truck, you're, you're kind of like invisible to law enforcement most of the time. Um, if you still have to go into a weigh station, you know, you're going to get popped that way. I used to get popped all the time when I was a contractor for level ones. Um, but for the most part, a lot of it is just as long as the mail's moving, nobody really cares or pays attention. Uh, once that person has the contract, sure, they might have had you know up-to-date insurance at the time. But I believe with this company, they had insurance, they let it lapse, and then they just never renewed it. Yeah, it said here, uh, Jesus Puebla faces five counts of vehicular homicide for the June 22, for the June 2022 crash. They said the carrier is a Camentes. It had nearly 100 trucks on the road uh, around the country without insurance. Tough situation. There's a lot of comments on this one, too. Oh, we actually have a form. What is this form? This was one of your comments. You said this is a PS form uh, 5500. What does this do? Yeah, so if you're – and you notice here, it says 
filled out by employee. So literally anyone who works at the post office can fill out one of these forms. If the truck has a flat tire, if it has a light out, if it's not the right driver for that contract route, we had that all the time in Philadelphia. Um, basically any kind of indiscretion or discrepancy you know, that would prevent mail from being loaded on that truck. You fill that out. They don't get paid for that, for that job that day. And this is the, the basically like the, the magic bullet they can use to put these bad contractors out of business. If they're not making any money, guess what? They go out of business. Um, and it's, it's just either a lack of knowledge or just whatever, you know, it's someone else's job. That's kind of the attitude. A lot of times someone else will take care of it. And guess what? Nobody takes care of it. And that's where we get these horrible situations where, um, you know, a bad driver ends up killing a bunch of people. A lot of drivers commented on this. Trace Plotter said, this is wild. Concerning the companies I work for, check mine every month bef- before they yeah. release my direct deposit. Yeah. No, they, they, as, again, as long as the mail's moving, nobody really cares because there's so many layers of bureaucracy involved in this that that's, that's how this goes unnoticed. Subprime Shaman said, I could save a lot of money if my insurance company would let me buy homeowners after the house is already on fire. <laughs> Part of the story was the carrier, after the accident, tried to get yeah. insurance. Yeah, no, it was a real scumbag. And 100 trucks, too. That's a pretty big size for a contractor. Most of the ones we had in Philadelphia were pretty small. Uh, but then you have like a handful of contractors that are like basically make a carrier size. You know, um, Eagle was a big one. I think I believe they're called 10 Roads now. Um, I used to work for a contractor who ended up being bought out by the company they bought out. So, um, yeah, basically the, the rule of these guys is like either you stay small and go unnoticed or you grow to the size where another bigger contractor basically buys you out. Ugh. I mean, the, the thinking there isn't like, oh, I can't get a nuclear verdict if I don't have insurance, right? No, no, it's it's usually just, um, you know, oh, someone else will take care of it. Someone else. Well, Tricky Mick, who was just on, he said, this is exactly what I mean when I'm saying that some people are undercutting others with shady business practices. Guarantee that guy can accept any offers that most companies would have to say no to just because of the cost of to run the truck and the fact they aren't even paying for insurance. No, it's, it's, it's actually pretty much the opposite. Once they got locked into that, that postal contract, no one else is going to work with them. So they're kind of stuck, you know, hauling mail. Really? Yeah, yeah. It, once, again, once, once you're in the door um, and you're getting along with the people in the office and you're not a total screw up, you'll keep running. So is USB, are they just going for the lowest bidder though? Yeah, yeah. A lot of times, that's that's the situation. Or uh, whoever's whoever's like the the, the manager of that uh, district. Uh, it turns out they might know the contractor or they used to work for them. So there's a lot of um, deals made that way. But again, most of it is just oh, we've worked with this person for you know ten, twenty, twenty five years, and you know no one else has kind of decided to take that contract from them. So we'll just keep using them. Wow. Well, I mean, if he's not paying insurance, though, he's he's able to undercut people in in that way to get the contract yes. in the first place. Yeah. Well, in, in the route, in the contract, it'll say like what the drivers are supposed to be paid. So if the drivers aren't paying attention to those contracts, they might be getting underpaid uh, as well through that and they can file a grievance and get paid. Yeah, man. Let's talk about shutdowns for a minute here. We have a video of a driver who showed up at work and he saw this. Well, here you have it for Metro Gold employees. Worked here for years. Worked yesterday. Had 41 hours this week. Here's what you got looked forward to coming into Monday morning. Mitchell Golden Bob Williams has recently and unexpectedly learned that we are unable to continue our business operations. Any Metro Gold Bob William employees are lo- that are located at the following should not report to work as of Monday, August 28th. Main plant, Taylorsville. Frame plant, Hidden Eye, NCDC, Statesville. Any home office remote workers are not to log in. All home office workers, we are sorry for the difficulties this may cause. Thank you. As soon as we have your schedule to get your tools and personal belongings, we will contact you. Rough. We've been watching too many of these, Justin. Yeah, been watching too many. I'm not. I'm not 100% sure if that guy was a driver or if he was a mechanic there. But just like the yellow situation, at least those guys had 
kind of a heads up warning. So they were able to get their tools and get out. But as we saw with um, Acceladon, when it shut down, those guys couldn't get their tools for months. Yeah, but, but with this one here, like Warn Tracker 2.0, they said they filed a Warn Act. It's going to lay out 533 people, but they shut abruptly. You're supposed to give 30 days notice, yeah. if I understand correctly, with a Warn Act. So I don't know if this is in any type of compliance unless they're getting paid through the next month. They're just not supposed to report. Yeah, it, it could be like they just had no idea, that, you know, how a Warn Act is supposed to work or they were just like, oh, shoot, we're out of money. So shut the doors. You think this was... You think everyone got themselves in a little bit of trouble bringing in way too much inventory because of all like the home improvement we were doing during the uh, the pandemic 2020, 2021. I remember when I bought a couch, yeah. um, it took, from West Elm, it took eight months to arrive and then it arrived broken and it took another four months to get the next one. Yeah, we, we moved uh, summer last year or the year before to our place and we ordered new furniture and it was, it wasn't, you know, months long, but it was a couple of weeks and the stuff finally arrived, fortunately, in one piece, but um yeah, as we're seeing, you know, people's discretionary spending is is uh, slowing down. Um, you got student loan payments going into effect next month, so uh, that's I think going to start hurting uh, a lot more places like this because these guys were like a luxury uh, furniture maker. They weren't like you know IKEA or anything. Let's hear from another driver who is getting crushed in this market. Let's see what he has to say. Yeah, I don't, I'm about to have a nervous breakdown, and I don't even know where to begin with this story. Um, it, it definitely started off when I got my authority. Trucking just absolutely fell apart for me. Um, and then I go lease on to a company, <clears throat> and right off the bat, a Swift driver backs into my truck and rips the whole front end off. And it was in the shop for five and a half months, parts on back order. And then I, you know, and then I go back to Prime, you know, thinking everything's all peaches and cream because I was making money over there. I ain't make a dime. It was just an absolute nightmare over there. I didn't make a dime that whole five months. And I'm thinking I'm, you know, I got lawyers for downtime, and I got absolutely screwed over on that. And then I get my truck back. And immediately the computer goes, which cost me about $3,000. And then a week after that happens, my alternator goes, which was a $1,200 job. And I couldn't, I couldn't wrap my head around how an alternator job is $1,200. But, yeah, that's what they charged me. And then another two weeks after that, my radiator goes. So that was $4,500 to... Um, because of the towing bill and the radiator and all that. And so here we are, 45, 1200, that's, that's um, 5,700 plus 3,000. You know, that's $8,700 within a month that I don't have. And five months downtime. Um, that, that check basically paid for all that and it was supposed to buy me an embroidery machine so I could start my embroidery business. And now, guess what? My truck right now, the transmission is slipping like crazy right now. I don't have any money for this shit. I don't know what the f I'm gonna do. I don't know how I'm gonna earn money. I don't have my embroidery machine. I don't, my truck is down. I don't, I don't know what, what else to do right now. You know, he's like in the, the trash compactor in Star Wars with a Dianoga yeah. around his neck, just trying to stop the walls from closing in on himself. That's I am nolting on TikTok, by the way, people, if, if you want to go follow him. Um, do you know, what did he want to embroider? He was really upset he couldn't get his embroidering machine. Hats, I believe. Yeah, hats are really big on TikTok. Um, but yeah, his story is just one of thousands happening right now. You know, when we're saying that the market is over capacity and that capacity needs to leave the market, that's what that looks like. You know, it's it's real human beings uh, basically stuck at zero, um, not able to make a living, you know, in the, in the situation that they're in two years, three years prior when the market was really hot, it was a great time to come into the industry. Um, sounds like that's what he did. He went out and got his authority and then, you know, just bad timing, the market crashed and uh, now he's hurting. 
Let's take a look at those authorities, for example. You want to see why the market is hurting so bad. Take a look at this chart. We are up to 2030 levels in authorities over here. You see that thing just skyrocket. And, and people are asking on, because yeah. I put this chart, Luke Flask originally put this out. Thank you, Luke. That's a great chart. Um, I retweeted, and some people were, were asking, um, what, what, what happened? Why? And it's like, because we poured trillions of dollars into the economy, and that fueled massive consumer spending on e-commerce, but also it cleared out all the inventory. We had to bring all these containers from overseas. You saw all the prices go everywhere, and it was kind of a gold rush. We saw all these drivers and all these authorities enter the market. But what's really interesting, Justin, is we always hear this ATA driver shortage narrative that we're short 80,000 drivers. But when you look at that chart, what you can actually see is we are over capacity by about 66,000 authorities. And that's not just getting rid of carriers. Uh, Andrew Teal made a great point online. If you just get rid of the carriers, those drivers, they're, they're very flexible. They're fluid. They'll just go somewhere else. What we're talking about here is there's too many drivers. Yeah, yeah, and it's 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 always so aggravating when they use that exact same flat number. Um, I've seen it now where they project even further into the future. They'll say 160,000 driver shorts, or they are literally and figuratively doubling down <laughs> on that uh, 80,000 number. Um, but when you look at the number, when you look at the data, you can see we are way over capacity. It is starting to bleed out right now. Um, but again, th these are just like you said, the carriers for hire. These drivers can you know sell the trucks, park the trucks for a bit go work as a company driver somewhere else until the market turns around. So it's really not even showing, um, you know, the, the literal driver capacity uh, leaving the market or coming into the market. Trucking has insane turnover. Um, so that's why these, these companies are always saying that they're short on drivers. Um, when if you fix your turnover, guess what? You don't have a driver shortage. Yeah. Yeah. Although we, we need some to turn, we need some to turn over and, and leave. There's just been so much of an influx. And that's why people, that's why drivers go so nuts when they talk about all these sort of like gov government subsidies for, for building yeah. up programs and everything. They see it as a, as a grift. And that chart sort of ex exposes what is, going, what is going on there. And the result in that is you can look at spot rates right now. There hasn't been a ton of movement. Um, as I talked for August, they were stuck between 222, 224 for almost all of the month. As we leave the month, we are up to 226. So we're getting a little bit of movement. We started with a little positivity at a Craig Fuller on Monday. So hopefully things are getting a little bit better. But like every dialogue we hear on here, every guest, I always ask in peak season, I had Molson on because Molson sells stuffed animals, right? We had Molson on, on Monday. Stuffed animals is something you buy when you got a little extra cash to get for your kid, but it's something you might not buy when your cash is tight. And he is sort of a great sort of bellwether for what's going on in the economy through that type of purchasing. You can really sort of see. And a lot of those stuffed animals and that type of purchases are what filled a lot of your trucks out there and took up and sucked up a lot of that capacity. Yeah. I mean, like, and he had a really good point about, you know, the, the shrinking of the plush toys. They're not even having to shrink them anymore because, no. you know, they got plenty of space in the containers now. He's like, I need to fill uh, the full truck. Just something I always scream at is, why don't they put a damn beeper on these things? Look at this guy driving around with this stupid bed up. And look, this guy, the guy oh, here is yeah. filming. He's like, I'm trying to stop. He's trying to stop him. He's trying to wave him. This guy probably flipped him off. <laughs> He's probably like, what do you want, you <laughs> idiot? Now, watch closely. Look at the trees because it's a little hard to see this. But he clips that power Ooh. line. He takes the yep. trees down, kills a family of squirrels. That bear with the cup on its head was probably hanging around there. Like, what is going on with my day today? That car was so, so unbelievable, they just stopped. And usually, I only see this when they're hitting, like, a sign or they're hitting a, a bridge overpass like this one that happened in Houston. Yeah, no, there's some electrical workers getting overtime right now because of that guy. And Oh my God, that's a big one right there. Like how do you, first of all, beeper or no beeper, just how do you not see that going down the highway? The truck drives differently. You're, you're shaking all over the place, check your mirrors and you see it up in the air. You would think so. You would you would think not only like would you sort of feel it from the drag of that. You also have your mirrors, and uh, this guy literally had people on the road. I'm sure all these guys have people waving at them. Like, hey, what do they, what do yeah. they think? They want the horn? No, just hit, turn in your CDL at that point. You just you should not be driving a commercial vehicle. Justin, what's life like in one of these road boats? These uh, mansions on four wheels or eighteen wheels, not four wheels. Pretty that pretty sweet. You know, I I drove a. Uh, Freightliner Coronado, uh, Freightliner um, Argosy for a bit. And, you know, it's, you're packed in like a sardine. And I would run across these like husband and wife teams with FedEx or Mercer or Landstar. And they're basically just driving around these, you know, huge palatial uh, trucks. And, you know, they're, they're always pretty open. They're like, yeah, come on in and check it out. And you walk in and it's like, oh, my God. They, yeah, they, they bring every they bring the house with them on the road and they are never home. You know, and why would they be? They basically live in those things 24-7.
Redditor Mama Bear Trucker 2, she's the one who shared that she said, Our latest addition to the fleet, a 2023 Freightliner Cascadia, equipped with a Bolt Custom Side-by-Side Sleeper featuring a sink, flat-screen TV, induction cooktop, Coleman rooftop AC, in-motion satellite, convection microwave, and dorm-sized fridge and freezer. That's uh, Chelsea C's. Well, no, Chelsea C has a different one. We don't have time to look at that one because I got to ask you a quick question. Have you ever had, have you ever bought a pair of AirPods and got them engraved? No, no. I got mine right here, blank. Well, look at what happened to Jeremy Judkins. Do we have that one? Jeremy Judkins, you got the AirPods? Jeremy Judkins got the AirPods. Did I order a pair of AirPods? You guys got it? No? It said I ordered a pair of AirPods Pro from Apple. There we go. I ordered a pair of AirPods Pro from Apple Express Delivery via Courier. I thought it asked for delivery instructions, but apparently it was for the engraving. And he put back door, if possible, where to leave the package. But now it says it on his AirPods. Oh, man. Go find Super Trucker at Super Trucker. Go find us at FW What the Truck. Find me at Timothy Duner. That's D-O-O-N-E-R. Scratch show over here podcast. Take care. Don't be a stranger.